Welcome to the Unblock Your Business podcast. I'm Abby Rogers, success coach, business coach, and hypnotherapist. And I help high achievers and business leaders master their subconscious habits for success, income goals, and above all, happiness. But success isn't just about mindset or strategy. It's about combining both and sealing the deal with a big dose of subconscious alignment because our subconscious holds the true key to unlocking our potential. Let's dive in and look at how you can show up bigger, better and more uniquely aligned in life and business today. Hi there, welcome back to Unblock Your Business. I hope that you've been having a wonderful Christmas and are now enjoying that kind of quiet time between Christmas and New Year, doing a bit of reflecting, uh, getting a little bit of perspective on business and life and It's just a really nice time when that kind of hamster wheel of life slows down, isn't it? We can take a moment to reflect. So I hope that is serving you well. Uh, Today we have a special podcast episode for you with Robin Waite, the founder of Fearless Business. And Robin's got loads of no-nonsense practical tips for your business. Hold on to your hats because there's plenty of info here. Um, But we're going to be looking at things like how to double your income in just two to three months And along the way, bringing in some discussions on things like goal setting, money mindset, and how to get a fearless new perspective on your business. So that is going to give you plenty of food for thought. And I hope you enjoy putting that to good use over the next week or so. So let's crack on with the show and find out what Robin has to share. Wonderful. So we have got Robin Waite uh, here today with us, founder of Fearless Business. Hi, Robin. Great to have you with us. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to this, Abby. Yeah, me too. Me too. I've been listening to your stuff for a long time. Your podcast is really, really interesting and uh, full of, of great experts and yourself, of course, as well. And um, yeah, it's wonderful to have you here to share some of that great knowledge and expertise with us. So um, first off, I think if you could just tell us a bit about you and your business journey and how things have evolved for you, where you are now, who you typically work with, that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I I, uh, I didn't start out life as a business coach. Um, I actually started out life as a systems analyst for four years. So that gave me quite a good grounding of how businesses work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give you the potted version of it just because it's it's quicker that way. And then we can get into the guts of being able to give your, your listeners some value, hopefully, Abby. But uh, uh, and then, yeah, f- uh, fast forward to 2004, I managed to set up an agency, which I ran for 12 years. That was doing web design and branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked with over a thousand business owners during that time, um, built all sorts of fancy stuff, um, helped loads of business owners grow. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of it, realized that I was putting so much effort into helping other businesses to grow that we hadn't really focused that much attention on our own growth and what I wanted to sort of get out of life and out of business and being an entrepreneur and things like that. So um, there was a couple of things um, which happened uh, in the last two years, sort of around about 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. which led to me writing the first book, Online Business Startup, which became a, a bestseller. Um, and that that ultimately started me on the journey which I'm on now um, mm-hmm. as a coach and uh, sort of author and speaker and things like that. So the book led to getting lots of speaking opportunities. It switched me much more out of doing done for you web design and branding work into mm-hmm. um, a lot more sort of consulting work like done with you. And it, that was the point when I realized that was what I was most passionate about. So mm-hmm. helping helping business owners really to see what gaps they had in their, their, their own, um, well, in their business um, in what it was that they wanted to achieve. Um, mostly what it came down to, though, was understanding the be- the numbers, um, mm-hmm. which harked back to my systems analysis sort of days when that was just all about analysing numbers and making sure that they all stacked up. Mm-hmm. I realised that most business owners um, don't have goals. Mm-hmm. They don't know how many clients they need in order to achieve those goals. They certainly don't really understand the finances that mm-hmm. are you know around hiring and firing people, the overheads within a business, um, uh, what conversion rates are and various things like that. And actually I took a lot of um, great deal of pride in helping business owners just to have those moments of mm. um, clarity around sort of um, being able to not just imagine what their goals can be, but then also how to achieve them practically and tactically. So that's what fearless business is all about. And the reason why like the link between sort of the numerical, the numbers side of it and what fearless business means as well is um, quite important because 
um, when people often see their goals, they pick very either very safe goals, mm. um, which then aspirationally doesn't leave them in quite you know a very good space financially, yeah. uh, or they p- pick ridiculous goals and then immediately the fear kicks in because they don't know how to achieve them. Or it seems to, it's like walking up to the face of El Capitan, mm-hmm. looking up at this cliff edge and then realizing it's too much for them. Much like sort of probably some of the clients which you deal with now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so fearless is about. Um, Pick goals which do scare you. If the numbers scare you, great. But we do the things in business which scare us ever so slightly less in order to achieve our goals. Um, it's not about being reckless or anything like that. So, yeah, and I love what I do. Absolutely love what I do. Yeah. And I think it's empowering to get behind those numbers and really understand what it takes to achieve those goals, isn't it? It's just It just seems so much more manageable when you can break it down into steps and sort of get a bit of an idea of what might be involved or what you need to do to to get there rather than thinking oh, I can never get there it's just so such a relief in a way <laughs> yeah absolutely and it, it's funny as well like when one of the key things around sort of goal setting as well is that um most people don't take into consideration what's in their control and what's out of their control mm. and quite often we set goals based around things which are entirely out of our control mm-hmm. like imagine having to sign up I don't know 20 clients in 2022 for example um, so lots of twenties in there. Um, <laughs> you know, for some people, like they they see that as you know, we, we talk about smart goals and things like that. But ultimately, it relies on those twenty clients having to sign up to something in part with their cash, and then you starting to do some work with them. But actually, that's not really one. It's not really one of the best goals that you can set out to do. Actually, one of the things which you could do is if you know that you have a conversion rate of, say, like one in five, for example, Mm -hmm. well, it means that you've got to start conversations with 100 business owners in 2022. Now, starting those conversations entirely in your control. You know, reaching out to enough people to start those conversations, whether they converse back with you is a different matter. But at least if you know that you can you've got the wits about you to be and the, and the means to be able to you know on LinkedIn social media and things like that to reach out to 100 business owners mm-hmm. that's in your control and yeah. if you do a good job and you converse well with people there's a chance they might buy but we can't set goals based around things that are outside of our control yeah yeah absolutely it's it's having that bigger overview isn't it about what, what can you control how can you bring it back to to get those results that you want out wonderful so who do you tend to work with um, nowadays so we we work specifically with other coaches, consultants and freelancers. They're mm-hmm. typically small business owners who are incredibly good at what they do, get amazing results for their clients, but um, they're still charging time for money. So, you know, their business is all about selling their hours. And what typically tends to happen then is they forget about, um, you know, all of the other work that needs to be done outside of fulfillment. So sales, marketing, the accounts, the admin and the rest of it, networking meetings, Zoom calls, podcast interviews and everything else. Yeah. Um, and so they scratch their head at the end of the month going, well, I'm really good at what I do. I got great results for my clients, but I should have more money in my bank account. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually, so our thing is about helping those time for money business owners to package up what they do and start to sell, um, sell packages basically. So, um, and typically when they've learned to package it up based on outcomes and results, they can charge two or three times sort of the going rate for whatever services that they sell. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's, it, um, helps you I guess as well get out of that whole feast and famine thing because from my own experience um having done the hourly charging thing in the past you kind of be so busy you're fully booked with clients you're not really putting that much time into your marketing and then all of a sudden you've finished with those clients and you're thinking where the hell are my next lot coming from so um when you can package things up and focus less time on the actual client seeing side of things and more time on the marketing and making sure that it's consistent then yeah it breaks that whole cycle doesn't it that's it. Well, and there's something else which is quite important to add there as well. So it's it's um, I I liken the business journey to like there's two major problems. So most people think that they have a cash flow problem, for example. Mm. So that's why they have to constantly go through this feast and famine and getting more clients and you do the fulfillment and then get more clients to do the fulfillment. Um, the reality is though that most business owners don't have a cash flow problem because the cash flows in, it flows straight back out again. Yeah. And a, and a lot of small business owners, especially, are living very much hand to mouth and what they missed is, and it's not their fault, by the way, it's not not that they're doing anything wrong. It's actually, um, uh, uh, we probably don't have time to go into this during today's episode, but it's like that the educational system is fundamentally broken. And, and I don't mean just in terms of like what we learn at school and university and things like that, but I mean what our parents also were taught to teach us as children and um, going back into the very early days. So 
um, business security actually comes out of having um, finan like financial awareness and financial security. So it's never a cash flow problem. It's actually about how do we make more money and then how do we learn to keep that money? Because if we if we had the security, if we could make enough money that we could then save six months worth of revenue in our business mm. in a savings pot, we wouldn't then have the worry or concern of if we did have a bit of a feast or a famine, especially the famines, obviously, like when we have a because clients are annoying, right? They're like buses. You know, you wait <laughs> for months and months and then all of a sudden you get a glut of them, a whole load of them come along at one, you know, at the same time. So we should learn to maximize the opportunities when they come in, make some, save some money. Yeah. And then when things are a bit quiet, we know that we've always got that savings pot to fall back on. And then all of a sudden our, our mindset shifts because we're not, we're not operating from a place of fear where we have to go out and find clients, mm. you know, to pay our mortgage or to put food on our table. Instead, we find, we have to go out and find clients because we want to, mm. because yeah we get a kick out of working with those people and we know they can transform their lives. Yeah. And that's a very different feeling and emotion to having to go out of and find clients from a place of necessity and survival. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I hate operating from a place of fear oh, because yeah. make poor decisions. There's normally like second order consequences where things start to go wrong. Yeah. Whereas actually if you operate from a place of abundance, because like, it's just a great fit. Mm. Often the clients have, much better experience they get better results you're able to put more value and time into getting them that better result as well and often on the back end of that then then they're more um interested in you know repeat purchase they want to come back and buy from you again yeah. or if you don't have a product that they can buy again they'll go and refer you yeah. and that that grows a much more sustainable business overall yeah completely completely agree and i think when you're in that abundance mindset as well rather than just thinking oh gosh where's my next client coming from I really need this client right now um you you don't mean to but you just approach things like marketing in a completely different way you put a completely different energy out there um or you, you just subconsciously kind of project different things into the world through your messaging and That's surprise it. surprise when you're in that abundance mindset you attract people much more easily than when you're going where's the next client I'm desperate for this next person to to get in touch and um, it, it really makes a hell of a difference doesn't it that's it uh, yeah. there's something as well around like because most people see that operating from a place of fear is that it it um it kind of creates a for want of a better phrase, it creates kind of a bit of a dark energy. And mm -hmm. most people don't know how to harness that. There is actually a way to turn that into a positive energy, which yeah. whether it goes into finding more clients potentially, or, um, you know, for example, I, I use it to motivate me to do other stuff like, you know, write content for my next book or mm. produce videos, which I feel are going to be helpful to somebody, you know, or, or even at the moment I'm building a new app, you know, just as a mm -hmm. bit of a side hustle. Ooh, and I, cool. I think um, rather than it, rather than being the focus on the thing which you're lacking at that moment, you can actually take that energy and turn it into something very positive. Yeah. A lot of people just don't know how to kind of harness that energy and use it for good. No, no, absolutely. Completely agree. So um, fearless business is a, a fab name. It's something that is really close to my heart doing business in a fearless way, because I think we, we really do have to get to this point where we are pretty fearless to get out there and believe in ourselves and run a successful business. It, it takes so much stamina and resilience. Um, do you have any examples of times when you've had to be fearless and take that leap of faith? I'm sure you've got loads. And how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the the biggest one is when I made the transition from running the agency. I didn't know I was being fearless at the time, by the way. That that name came a bit later. But <laughs> when I when I got to the end of the agency days, and um, there was a couple of couple of things which happened. Um, but I remember I go I I'd finished writing the book, and I'd um, it just got published, and I, I was on that transition between you know knowing my I basically I got to a point where I kind of now understood my worth I would say a little bit better mm -hmm. so rather than have clients come into my office and say we want you to build us a website Robin um I, I was then just slowing the process down and actually yeah, looking at their business and helping them on a different journey I remember this mm -hmm. guy walked into my office he ran a local um uh mechanics where they did like MOTs and tires and exhausts and things like that clutch repairs and stuff and um uh, he was getting, to, you know, sort of in his 60s and his goal was basically to double the size of his business before he could then retire and uh, like basically sell the business in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really worth much as it stood. So he wanted to double the turnover. He's like, right, Robin, want you to build me a website. I want to double it. And I, and I said, well, just hold on a second. Let's run some numbers here. So I started looking at things like 
average customer lifetime value, um, you know, how, how many clients he was acquiring each week for his, his garage and all sorts of things like this. So I, I ran the numbers and I just did a whiteboard session for five minutes and came up with this, right, when well, you need X number of leads, you need this, that, and the other. And I said, listen, I, I don't think you're going to get this through just building a website. I think you need a marketing campaign, you need PR mm-hmm. exercise and this, that, and the other. And I got the big hand. He was like, no, no, Robin, I just want you to build me a website. And, <laughs> and I uh, tell me how much it's going to cost. So I said, well, you want to grow this business by like quarter of a million pounds over the next two years. You know, mm-hmm. I always work on the basis of it costs you 10% of like the upside so that's going to be like 25 grand and he, he screamed blue murder he started effing and blinding at me in my office like telling me who do I think I am jumped up little kid telling me 25 grand for a website that's ridiculous I'm like well no no I didn't say that was all on the website I said this no. is just for marketing this is what you need like if you realistically yeah. but I said then your business is worth double you can sell it and retire oh well you're, you don't know what you're talking about so I handed mm-hmm. him a copy of my book and I said listen I don't care if you use this as a coffee mat just get out of my office I said I don't want to work with you um, but read the book you might find it's helpful yeah shoot them out of the office and I think that was the first time when I realized actually mm. that um like yes yes as a, as a as a service client business provider you're there to serve yeah but equally you're also a doctor you're there to um, analyze the situation look at the symptoms mm. work out whether you're the, the right expert to be able to you know prescribe your product or service to them or send them off to somebody else you know um, a consultant to go and work with for example who knows more than you yeah. um, and that was the first time when I stood up and I just said no and then that that then was there was like a, a knock-on effect from that particular instant where um, it ultimately ended up with me having a bit of a breakdown um, by the side of a railway line mm-hmm. trying to figure out um, what direction I wanted to take I realized the agency just wasn't fulfilling me Mm -hmm. I had a team of four people who were I'll be honest like slightly dysfunctional probably because I was leading them um you know and it just there was just all (laughs) sorts of stuff going 12 years worth of hard work just came to a head and um uh in that moment I decided right well if I'm not happy with that I need to decide on what I am going to be happy with in my future Mm. um and literally I went back to my wife who at this time was eight months pregnant Mm -hmm. And I was like, darling, uh, I'm going <laughs> to shut the agency down. So, of course, international sign of distress goes out. What the, are you going to do? Are you mad? Well, like, we haven't got any money. Eight months pregnant. All this sort of stuff. And it's just yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, it's fine. I got money saved. We'll, we'll make it work, you know. Um, and then during the next three months, obviously, we had our baby, our second baby, and uh, had my paternity leave, mm-hmm. figured out what I loved most about my agency and that was very informative and it was actually the consulting and the Mm. mentoring like telling people what they should be doing because I've been doing this for like 15 years already myself at that point yeah um and then yeah so designed fearless business which was a coaching program um worked out who it was I wanted to work with how much I was going to charge what goals I needed to achieve in the next 12 months how many conversations I need to do how many speaking engagements I I worked out plan the whole thing you know in terms of what activity and I I was never more motivated during that like that first year in in the coaching practice just I hit all of my goals I did six figures in the first year I got all of the clients I wanted to work with plus more did 50 speaking engagements you know 30 podcast interviews the works yeah um and it was just, you know, when you design something and like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. But a major part of it was stepping into the unknown. I hadn't done a, I hadn't done a single speaking engagement before that. Uh-huh. I'd done little yeah. mini workshops and stuff, but not a proper speaking engagements. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd never, never sold a coaching program before. I didn't know what that said. I'd, I'd never charged the money that I was charging for coaching or any product at that point. You know, mm-hmm. um, it all been based on time. So all of this stuff I know now I was kind of putting into practice at that point yeah. um, and trying it out. And it was just like, I, I just figured what is the worst that could possibly happen here? One, I lose a bit of money. Or two, I look a bit stupid. And like, yeah. <laughs> everybody's busy. Who's going to give a shit if I look a bit dumb, right? Yeah. Like, it, like, nobody cares. They've all got their own stuff going on. What, you know, so th- those two, and this is what business owners, I think, forget sometimes. This is where fearless business came from. Business owners kind of, they build these things up in their imagination, in their mind about mm-hmm. like worst case scenarios and things like that. And um, if they just get over that little fear, that little fear of stepping into a room full of people and giving their 60 second, second pitch, yeah. that fear of you know, putting out a piece of content irrespective of like whether people like, like it or comment against it or whatever, yeah. um, that little fear about, well, if we lose a bit of money, so what? Because quite often 
what we're afraid of is like that. It's it's tiny. It's like a little thing. But if we make if we step outside that fear and get the other side of it, like the benefits like massively outweigh the downsides, mm. you know, and leave us in a much better place, either like headspace wise, business wise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can only start making progress once you step past that fear, can't you? And it's once you take that that move in a way that feels an in integrity to you, all of a sudden the answers start to open up anyway. And you can you can kind of once you've got past that fear, you can see so much more clearly exactly what you do need to do to get to where you want to be. So yeah, yeah it totally, totally sabotages everything if you just focus on that fear, doesn't it? That's amazing it. story. Wow. <laughs> Never look back. Absolutely. So um we're kind of here, I guess, today. We've talked about some fab stuff so far, but the uh, the main thing we were going to talk about was um, scaling your business and being able to double um, your income in the space of literally a, a matter of two or three months. So, um, tell us firstly where you think most business owners are missing a trick in terms of doubling their income. Yeah, well, most most business owners they think that marketing is their solution in terms of doubling the size of their business, right? Mm. So. Now, don't get me wrong. I love marketing. I think obviously every business should be doing some marketing, but it is not the thing which is going to um, increase your business because uh, I, I call it I call it the sales cycle of doom. Sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. It's constantly like get more clients, get more clients, get more clients. And the reality is like um, you have to imagine this is probably going to be the worst analogy ever, but hopefully it will make sense. You know, the little Fiat Cinquecento, little Fiat 500 car, mm-hmm. right? yeah. sweet little car little 500 cc engine if you add rocket fuel into that fiat 500 what's going to happen (laughs) it's going to go bang (laughs) yeah it's not going to go any faster because it's only a 500 cc engine but eventually because rocket fuels it's highly combustible it's going to blow a few pistons and probably catch fire i should think yeah um you know and in this analogy the fiat 500's engine is like the business engine for most business owners right small business owners especially and it's rickety and it kind of hangs together and we kind of make it work and um you know and and it uh, but it, it's like the sales the processes the systems the tech the finances the everything it's all encompassed in that mm-hmm. in that um business engine and then the marketing is like the rocket fuel yeah. Right. So we so we add more clients into this rickety little engine. Yeah. And at some point it's just going to it won't go any faster. It won't scale. It All will happen is it will just fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And I have this term, this phrase called winging your way to 85K. So obviously in the UK, <laughs> we have the VAT threshold, which is 85,000 a year. Right. Most most business owners can literally they can just wing their way in their rickety little Fiat Cinquecento. And they can get to that threshold, really, because most of it's relying on them and they can kind of just about hang it together. Um, but then the moment you add in an extra member of staff or you have that one big client who wants a bit extra or the, these other bits of rocket fuel which pop up, pop into the mix, then it it fundamentally it just breaks. So what you have to approach business. So, but the thing is, most business owners approach growing a business from get clients, get more clients, get more clients first. Yeah. Actually, you need to come at it from the opposite direction. Fix the inherent problems in the business first, mm-hmm. turn it into a rocket ship, you know, so it's nicely, nicely tuned, finely optimized, then add more clients into it. So that, that's the first thing which we need to do. The second thing is there's actually two other ways to scale a business or grow a business. OK, um, the first one of them isn't particularly exciting. It's basically cut your costs wherever you possibly can. OK, mm-hmm. so the reason why we cut costs is because remember what I said about making more money and saving money. Yeah. cutting costs means that we have the opportunity we make more profit so therefore we're able to save more money and it gives us that security okay yeah. so it's important but it creates slow growth the final one is we just increase our prices so we sell the same thing for more money okay yeah. not more of the same thing but we sell the same thing for more money and increase our price prices and this is where fear creeps in for most business owners okay yeah, so literally. um the, and the reason for that is they're they're kind of, you know, um, Seneca did a great quote, things are always much worse than imagination reality. Mm. The moment I challenge any business owner to increase their prices, the first thing they say is, oh, all of my clients will leave. Yes. <laughs> Fear. Okay, that's their thought. Now, I've been with Fearless Business, we've been, through, I've worked with 250 clients now over the last five years. Okay. We increased their prices on every single one of those businesses. And yes, some clients leave. Okay. Mm. And it's not a disaster. What typically tends to happen is, when you increase your prices and you've got a subset of existing clients, yes, a small percentage will leave, probably like 
10 or 20% maximum. So we're mm. talking Pareto principle here, 80, 20. Yeah. What tends to happen though, is their revenues, because we don't just go for a 10 or 20% price increase, we look to double or treble their income, wherever we can, their prices, wherever we can. Mm-hmm. So the income from those existing clients, clients um, goes up dramatically. It goes up like two or three times. And it happens very quickly. There's about a four to six week lag time before you see the, the results, mm-hmm. but it's a very quick improvement. Now, so now we've, we've got, we'll save a bit here, but now we're making a lot more here. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you get a bit more money, well, a bit more time to deliver a better quality product because you can, because you've got more resources and money available to you. It produces more money on the back end. So where we ideally like to end up is to have half the clients and double the income. Mm-hmm. Through having a finely tuned business where you're charging your worth. Um, and I'm, unfortunately, like most, most business owners kind of get, they trip themselves up because they kind of have these belief systems. And Abby, again, you work with clients on this around their core beliefs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't put my prices up because clients will leave. Okay. The reality is they've forgotten another very valuable subset of clients that are available mm-hmm. to them. New mm-hmm. prospective clients who've not yet been exposed to their existing prices. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is about a fear of the unknown, right? That like the fear which they've got actually doesn't exist because they haven't gone out and tested and validated the theory where they could be charging double. Yeah. Because they just haven't ever gone out and asked for double the money, right? No, no. So all we do, I always throw down the gauntlet and have a bit of fun at this point with clients. So I say to them, well, listen, go and pitch the next 10 clients at double the price. Um, if nobody buys, right? So if you pitch all 10 people and they all say no, and you can document that and show that to me. I will buy your product mm-hmm. at the new price point. So at least you've got one customer out of it. Yeah. I've never had to pay out. I mean, I do buy my clients' products from time to time because I only work with clients I believe in their products I believe in. So periodically I use their services. Yeah. But on, on that, that bet, I've never lost. Yeah. Okay. Every business owner out there near enough can double their prices and they will still get clients. Okay, because new clients, they haven't been anchored to a specific price point. They don't know what you charge. So it's the greatest opportunity available. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's definitely such thing as um, being too cheap as well as not attracting those clients because they look at it and kind of go, well, mm, there must be something a bit fishy there. (laughs) Surely I should be paying a bit more than that. And there's a whole huge subset of clients out there just who value paying a little bit more for their services so um i think people completely forget that sometimes and it's just because we um base everything on our own experience isn't it and and the small world the kind of narrow frame of reference that we live in but we forget there are billions of people in the world who do things and believe things in a very different way so yeah i mean i i feel quite strongly about um you know you go into so many of these sort of local business groups um you know um and somebody goes, oh, I want a web designer or something like that. And it's just a race to the bottom. Who can do it the cheapest? And actually, like, those people are not helping anyone because I hate yeah. to say it, the cheapest is never stays in business for very long yeah. for obvious reasons because they've got, they can't afford to. No. And all of a sudden, like, six months later, you've, you know, you bought the cheapest website you can. Six months later, they're gone. Yeah. And whilst with my business, when we figured out the pricing side of things, we were around for 12 years. And, and yes, we were one of the most expensive in our local area. Mm-hmm. We were around for 12 years and we had clients who stayed with us from day dot through to the end of day 12 when I sold the agency, uh, year 12 when I sold the agency. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, when you when you buy into a good quality company who is charging, they don't have to be the most expensive either, but charging what they're worth. Mm. um, It means that they are going to build, they're building a sustainable business and they're going to be around to support you for, you know, ad infinitum. Yeah. And that's much more important. Like actually, you know, if we're going around just buying cheapest, what ends up happening is I've seen people who have gone to like 10 web designers paid for the cheapest, like 10 times Mm -hmm. and ended up spending more than they would have done on the most expensive. And you're just like, dumb, it just beggars belief. Yeah, Yeah. false economy. False economy, economy, that's it. Um, Yeah, I think big supermarket chains can afford to do it. They can afford to do the bargain basement thing and compete for the lowest prices, loss leaders, get people in on that basis. But as a small business owner, you you just can't do it. It does not work cool um so let's talk about scaling i know that can be quite an intimidating word i think for a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners um from my personal experience i'd say that scaling can actually be a huge relief (laughs) would you agree with that yeah massively i mean when when you can when you understand 
you know, it's basically letting go. I think that's what most business owners struggle with from the scaling perspective. So mm-hmm. starting to take on your first um, member of staff, whether it's a, you know, VA uh, or a consultant externally to your, your business or your actual first full-time hire, and then being able to delegate those tasks like responsibly to, to somebody else, I think is quite a big stepping stone. But then, then it gives you um, the opportunity to focus on sort of the £1,000 an hour and £10,000 an hour tasks as opposed to the, yeah. the £10 an hour and £100 an hour tasks, which really somebody else should be doing, you know, in your business. Um, and the scaling is a bit of a, scaling is a word which kind of actually I, I'm quite, divided over actually and i'm going to get splinters here because scaling is a choice it's not something which you have to do and i think a lot of business owners again trip themselves up they they get to 100k and actually get get into a six-figure business that threshold is a massive milestone you can have somebody helping you out behind scenes and you can actually be making a really decent living off it so for some people like why scale why do you have to scale Mm -hmm. for others though if you are more entrepreneurially minded and you think actually you know i want to get in and out of this business maybe within the next five or ten years Mm. that's a different matter and that's when you do have to um, probably take a few more calculated risks Mm -hmm. it's when all of a sudden your marketing spend goes from you know a few hundred pounds a month to a few thousand pounds a month Mm -hmm. now if you can see yourself comfortably spending five or 10k a month on marketing activities and i won't there's a whole raft of different things from oh, yeah. ads to seo to yeah. whatever you know direct message vas there's all sorts of things which you can do um people get you know, managing your, your podcast doing youtube channel all of those different things they are actually they, you can do them for free but it'll take up a lot of time where you can pay people to do it um if you're if you're happy to spend five to ten k on marketing uh, and I hate to say it in 2022, like moving forward um, mm-hmm. with no real predictable. Yes. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're going to have to help me out here, Abby. Um, <laughs> no guaranteed returns on that investment. Yeah. In yeah. 2022. In 2004, when I started market, like my marketing agency, buy a business card, show up to BNI networking event, start some conversations and you could close business. Yeah. Right. And maybe have a website or something. There's like there was like three things you had to do from a marketing perspective. Mm. Now, I hate to say it, like marketing is so confusing, knowing which channels to put your your budget and your time into. And I my my one word of caution to anybody who is looking to, you know, that maybe they've hit that threshold and they're looking to scale their business beyond six figures. um, My one word of caution is make sure that you've got your, you know, your channels, you know, what's working for you currently, Mm -hmm. you know, what organically marketing wise, what is working for you before you then start to double down and pay for more stuff. If, if you see scaling as like, you've been using Instagram and that's worked for you to get to 85 K, but you see now scaling is going across into YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all sorts of different channels. Mm -hmm. Actually you're doing it wrong. You Mm -hmm. probably want to just think about scaling within Instagram yeah yeah like, like so, stay in your lane <laughs> so important so important to have that organic proof of what you're doing before you start throwing money at it and I think yeah. that's another thing I see with um people who are earlier on in their business they're just like oh, I just I hate this marketing thing I just want to throw some money at it get somebody else to do the ads for me I just don't want to do social media at all or whatever it might be but you you need that you need to be able to interact and find out what people want and you need to prove that it works before you yep. go and chuck a load of money at it because I've known people waste uh, like thousands of pounds on marketing that's just gone nowhere because they haven't done that first it's yeah an expensive mistake to make <laughs> yeah absolutely and I've, I've been there I don't mind admitting it you know but yeah. you, you have to try you do have to try these mm. things mm. um I like to think that some of my marketing experiments are on behalf of my clients you know because they all <laughs> need help with this stuff and uh, I'm, I'm not Mr. Moneybags, but I have the means to be able to test out different things. And I think that's one of the differences, you know, um, uh, I'm able to do it. But then I always end up coming back to the same conclusion, which is right. There's probably only about, you know, there's a thousand and one different marketing things that you could do, but there's probably like two, three or four, which actually are going to work for each individual specific business. So it's just mm-hmm. a matter of finding those things as quick as you can and yeah. then double down on it. Yeah, absolutely. Not uh, Not doing 10 different things, but picking one or two and really focusing on those definitely cool um so i know you're really a keen advocate of building a product suite to help facilitate sales and build revenue and i'm a massive fan as well i think that's a really important thing to do but i know a lot of coaches out there talk about focusing on the single core high ticket offer as being the fastest way to hit income goals what would you say to that 
Uh, I completely agree with them. I think definitely it's the best way to go forward. Um, I, I have a I have a massive bone to pick with the coaching space, actually. And this mm-hmm. is because there are some amazing um, qualifications and certifications out there for coaches. Uh, you know, whether it's an NLP certification or a business coach, pure coaching certification, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're leaving people who are um, really well skilled from a coaching perspective, but they send them out and tell them to start sending hours of their time right yeah. sell coaching sessions yeah. now the thing is in order then to make money as a coach who is selling time for money mm. you, it's then just within your interest to keep on having those clients come back time and time and time again mm-hmm. irrespective of whether they're getting results or not yeah. so if you're a brilliant coach and you help that person in one session and you're only charging 50 pounds for that session yeah. <laughs> you're massively underselling yourself but you'll get to the an- end of that session and the fear will creep in and you'll be like oh, well, I've now helped this person. I've done what I'm said I'm going to do and they're going to leave and I'm going to lose a client. Yeah. So actually that's that's not helpful to the industry. I think it, I think these certification um, bodies are doing a massive disservice to the industry mm-hmm. and and they they should actually spend more time on, on equipping coaches with basic business skills mm-hmm. um, on how to actually make a, build a sustainable living out of coaching. Like if everybody's competing for 50 pound an hour clients, like no, none of the coaches in that space win. No. Cause none of them, like, you know, there will be some who are just like happy to make a 500 pound a month or a thousand pound a month because they're doing it as a bit of a side hustle. Mm-hmm. But if the industry is going to win, we have to set a precedent as a whole. So that's my rant over <laughs> I suppose the next question is how do you go about creating that high ticket offer and so basically what it comes down to is three things and mm-hmm. if anybody's interested to know more about this so my um one of my mentors is a guy called Rich Litvin um he wrote a fantastic book called The Prosperous Coach and he said that any coaching program should have these three ingredients built into mm-hmm. it he said it should be focused on delivering a specific outcome or result so that's nice and simple, just one, one outcome or result for that client. Mm-hmm. It should happen. It should be delivered over a, a, um, a clearly defined period of time. Yeah. He normally talks in terms of like three months, six months, 12 months. Um, and I'll explain why in a second. And then he says that it should be for a fixed fee. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be like endless, like 50 pounds. It should be for, right, I'm going to get you at like, I don't know, this is a really rubbish example, but take a fitness professional I'm going to help you um, uh, lose 30 pounds in 12 weeks and it's Mm -hmm. going to cost you 900 pounds. Okay. There's a lot of coaches out there who just, again, they don't have the confidence in the outcome result, for example. Um, So they'll be like, well, nothing's guaranteed. Well, nothing is guaranteed. But um, if you only get that person to 16 pounds over 12 weeks, they're going to be damned happy, right? There's not we don't base this on guaranteed results okay because we're dealing with people yeah. like the, the d word in my vocabulary depends is a, it's a swear word okay we don't <laughs> allow that at fearless business okay but we do the best we possibly can to get them that result because the likelihood is that person has had a massive perceived value from that experience of working with you yeah. they can see even if you if you promise them 20 pounds and they only get 16 they can see that they can hit 20 pounds now yeah. and you've created a massive shift in their mindset and that's much more powerful than anything. Okay. Um, and the other thing is then overpriced. It's kind of like, well, how do you know? And I actually think that most coaches should be able to offer some kind of a, a money back guarantee on what they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I challenge anybody listening, uh, whether you're a coach or whatever, but if you struggle in your mind to be able to no quibble offer a money back guarantee to somebody, if they're perceived, if they don't get the perceived value from your program, mm-hmm. there's one big problem with that okay mm-hmm. it's about your belief and your ability to deliver results consistently to your clients okay and um as you can tell i'm quite passionate about this yeah if you're selling a product where you don't 100 believe in your ability to deliver i think that's unethical you shouldn't actually be selling it okay and more to that if you do then get to the end of it if, you, if the belief is there the conviction is there but you, and you do genuinely get to the end of that program the client hasn't received the results mm-hmm. ethically morally you should be open to giving them their money back 99 mm-hmm. percent of people listening to this will go oh there's no possible way i can do that i can you know they'll be they'll be questioning me they won't be looking inside themselves mm-hmm. and and again this is something which they're not not leaving coaches equipped with Mm-hmm. to be able to tackle those sorts of challenges in the real world when they come out of coaching school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same for consulting school. It's the same for freelancing school. Um, you know, and yes, nothing's guaranteed, but this is about, this is about ethical and moral boundaries like that you take on, take on yourself as a coach. Yeah. 
okay, what it comes down to as well, look, if the client does, doesn't do the work, they're going to struggle to get the result. But quite often, that's obvious. The client knows when they haven't done the work yeah. and they don't ask for their money back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, again, as a, as a coach, you should be aware of what things people struggle with from an accountability perspective and, and to be able to, um, you know, offer accountability to hopefully get them to do the things they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so clearly define outcomes or results over a fixed period of time for a fixed fee. Super, super important. So I'll give you some examples. So this is not in the coaching space necessarily, but one closer to my heart, a web designer, for example. So mm -hmm. if you had web designer A, who is charging 50 pounds an hour and says, Abby, this website, I think will take me about 20 hours. Is that cool? So about a thousand pounds, you'd be like, yeah, okay. It sounds reasonable. Um, so, but what this person forgot to tell you after you agreed to do it is they've only been doing it a few months, you know, because mm -hmm. they got made redundancy. They've only like, got a copy of Adobe Dream, even they started building sites or something. Um, and they, 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 because they're selling their sites for too cheap, they take on too many clients. So it takes them three months to deliver this site. And it didn't have a blog or a shopping cart on the ask for. Yeah. And so now you're thinking, well, I'm a bit annoyed by this. Where's my shopping cart and my blog? So that, so web designer A says, well, uh, it's going to take me another 10 hours to add those on. And Abby, you've got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. what no hang on a second that, that, that's not what we agreed you said it'd take 20 hours so um and he he says well I'm not going to do it unless you pay me and so now there's resentment on your part on his part nobody's happy like yeah. so first of all there's the first clue the hourly rate just doesn't work okay mm -hmm. it's broken it's it's not a good way to charge time for money um web designer b comes along uh, brilliant they've been doing it for like 20 plus years but they don't know what robin and abby know now about pricing okay so mm -hmm. they're still charging 50 pounds an hour but it only takes them 10 hours because they're really good at doing it so hang on a second the guy who's better gets paid a <laughs> third of what the rubbish guy does and he gets better results and does it faster but he only gets paid a third. so again another clue hourly rates don't work right yeah. And then we end up with the you know, web designer C, right? This person comes along, absolute ninja, right? But they come along with their confidence in their ability to deliver. They get guaranteed results, okay? So by the end of 30 days, if your website, Abby, isn't producing 20 solid leads for your business each month, they'll refund your money. Plus, I'll give you a thousand pounds for wasting your time, which you can spend on either of the other two guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you're probably thinking, wow, that sounds fantastic, actually. So because you know how much each client worth to you. If you can get 20 leads, convert five of them. Wow, we're laughing. We've made mm -hmm. our money back already. But this person's website's a 10K. Now, faced with the three of them, you could either work with the first two like time and time again until you get that result. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you might happen chance find number B who doesn't know about pricing or web designer B, I should say. But more often than not, with a compelling offer, you're going to go for web designer C mm -hmm. because you've got, you know, he's that confident in, in their ability to deliver results. Yeah. Might be more expensive, but if they get the results, you're going to get your money back faster. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's a, a fab analogy there. I love that one. <laughs> and like you say, there are no no promises. We cannot make promises as a coach because it's so, so dependent on clients as well. But if you're finding you the, the right there. clients, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just I'm swore fired. on your podcast. No, no <laughs> but no, you can't. You, yeah, I get that. I mean, everybody's different. Okay. So you are going to get a mixture of different results. But again, this is why this is why you shouldn't be all things to all people. Again, if you know your craft and you you help solve one specific problem for a specific audience yeah. and you have a, a, a a system or a structure that is going to make that happen like on a predictable repeatable basis yeah. you shouldn't have you shouldn't worry about it where people get unstuck is they just try and do too many different things yeah. for too many different people and so how can you become a specialist or an expert when you're just too broad it, it, okay. it doesn't make any sense yeah you can, uh, you can never promise but you can get very close and you can have a, a high expectation of what the right person can achieve can't you if you've, if you've got that ideal client really dialed in they're really absolutely nailed and they're in the right place for your service they're likely to get that result pretty darn likely so that's it and imagine happy I'll, I'll give you a challenge imagine you've got one hour left to live <laughs> i yeah. want to i want to buy that hour of your time from you okay mm -hmm. how much is it worth well, quite a lot <laughs> i wouldn't even sell it if i had one hour left no. to live i wouldn't sell it no no prices numbers right? are going up and yeah so so why when people are selling their time for like 50 pounds an hour do they treat every other hour of their life like that like yeah. like completely differently to that I, it, it again it just doesn't make any sense like time is the most precious commodity and 
<clears throat> every hour of my life I've sold so far is gone. It can never come back. Now I've got less. If I sell like this next hour of my life, yeah. I've got one less hour. So therefore all of the other hours should be more valuable. Mm, mm. And it, then that's the way it should keep on going as we yeah. as we get older and and run our businesses and yeah. people forget that because like oh well I'm not going to retire for I'll be doing this for another 10 years or 20 years we put it off mm, we can't mm. see it because it's so far into the future and so yeah. when you break it down and you ask yourself well how much is the last hour of my life worth well I mm. I think very few people would sell that unless unless they needed a legacy for their kids or something yeah. you know it's yeah. that that would be <laughs> the only reason why I'd be like 10 million fine you know, so, sorry, Charlotte, my wife. But... <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic question. <clears throat> so um, last question then. Um, I always love to ask my guests this one. What would you tell your startup self uh, now if you could go back to the very beginning of your business and start it all again? What would you maybe do differently? So we we were we were chant. I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? It's going to be around pricing. I'd be like quintuple your prices, Robin. Like just get out <laughs> there and start selling for like five, ten times the price that you're currently selling at. Yeah. Uh, we we um, wasted is the wrong word. We spent four years figuring out um, how to charge confidently within the web design agency, and even then, I didn't know what I knew. What, you know what I've learned now. Um, and I think if we come straight out of the starting gates with pricing strongly, we could have been much more innovative we could have got much better results for our clients i hate to say it um i think i would have enjoyed it much more um it would have taught me about money and wealth a lot sooner there's, there's just so many lessons which could have come out of it yeah. and I, I know that sounds you know in part like slightly capitalistic but um the reason the reason i say that is because um i was brought up um you know in a, in a great family of very hardworking people, but what they didn't teach me was about the value of money and mm. um, my money had to build a, a positive money mindset and a positive association around money. So I spent most of my formative years of um, uh, my teenage years and certainly my early business years um, being very fearful of having too much money. Mm -hmm. And actually like having, having like, you, you look at what the likes of, you know, Bill Gates and um, many of these um, sort of startup founders now are doing, and yes, they've made billions, right? But actually they are keeping like a tiny percentage, percentage of it. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, for example, they're giving away like 99% of their wealth for good causes for other people who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity. So yeah. money I've started to see is actually, a, it's a really good, it's a powerful tool, but it's a very good tool if you can use it, if you can get it and use it in the right ways. And so we've started now being able to, um, because we charge what we charge, we're able to bring in like giving back into our program. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of young guys join our program last year on a scholarship. I just wanted to work with the guys, but obviously students, they didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. They've come in and done extremely well, um, you know, off the back of the program. We give to two charities now as well, um, you know, in terms of Four Oceans. So uh, so with Four Ocean, there's a, another um, program, um, thing which i've just signed up to where every time we sign a client we plant 100 trees for example it's little things like that where you're able to start to give back yeah. when i start my business 20 i couldn't have done that we couldn't afford to have done it then you know i've had to wait until now before we've been able to sort of give back with you know a lot of good intention yeah yeah incredible and i think so often people um feel like they need to give away loads of stuff for free when they're starting their business out and they're like oh I feel really bad charging for this I should should really help lots of people because I've got this wonderful skill and I'm a really caring person but you can't you can't keep doing that at the cost of your own business and your own time and um you know just infinitely if you keep kind of giving away for free and making nothing you're going to go out of business whereas if you can get yeah. to that point where you're earning enough that you can then really afford to give back you can do wonders in the world and it's like like my book i give away 50 to 100 copies a month of that book you know those these this is people reading that who are different stages of their business journey but they're not ready for fearless business at the moment they're probably not ready to work with the coach just yet because they're too early in in the process yeah actually take your shot the amount of time i mean I, I always say my best clients are the ones who have never spent a penny with me because they're evangelists. They've read the book or they've had an experience like see me speak or heard me on a podcast or something like that. Yeah. They tune into the concepts which I'm talking about and they're able to go away and implement it and get the result. Perfect. Yeah. I, like if we don't have to work together, it's actually the best possible outcome in the nicest possible way. <laughs> um, you know, if they then choose to come and work with me, well, that's different. They've come to me for very different reasons and motivations, and then we can accelerate their business. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the book, like it cost me one pound 80 to print out a copy of take a shot and a couple of quid to post it. And 
you know, that's, it's a neat way. If, if I'd encourage anybody to like write a book or do a PDF lead magnet, which gives away everything that you do mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or at least gets people started. Cause those who can't afford you, they can read a book and they get value from it that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can you can give back so wonderfully well through your marketing, just like we're yeah. doing with this podcast and just Absolutely. like you do on yours. It's um it's really nice to be able to do that, isn't it? So I've been so interesting talking to you today. Thank you. Really, really My good. Pleasure. Some fantastic tips there. Um, where can we find you if anybody wants to get in touch? Where's the best place? Yeah, well, I gave a clue. So if anybody wants a copy of Take Your Shot, then they can go to <laughs> fearless.biz forward slash TYS, yeah. uh, lowercase TYS for Take Your Shot. Um, and the, the fearless.biz website, we've got a ton of other resources as well, just around sort of marketing sales and various things like that. Um, and then obviously I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. So if anybody wanted to take this conversation a bit further, just um, hit me up in there, drop me a message, connect with me, um, and we can have a conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. Great talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you, Abby. So great to hear from Robin there and I hope you picked up loads of useful tips and advice there. I think um, he is certainly a man who knows his numbers and knows his stuff. So really fascinating listening. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I get the message. I would love to double my income. I'd love to just put my prices up and package things, but I'm a little bit scared of doing that. Then um, I would love you to check out the details of my Limitless Mind Business Accelerator Mastermind program, which you'll find the details in the show notes. There's a link there which you can click through. And that's basically a a group coaching program where we really work on building up that confidence to uh, charge more, to organize your business as you want and to break free of that fear so that you can just get out there and charge your true worth and start seeing clients that you absolutely love working with rather than feeling shackled to clients who really aren't serving you in your business. And we can just help you make all those mindset changes to instill the confidence to allow you to do that and make those changes and move forward. So take a look in the show notes. It's called the Limitless Mind Business Accelerator. Just click through and you'll be able to read our whole page of info about it and exactly how it works. Um, I'm quite proud of this one because it's a very flexible structure, which is designed to support you at your own pace rather than being some kind of really quick paced program where you were just shoved through it before you even had a chance to settle down and and get used to the whole thing. So um, do check it out and I would love you to come and join us there if it feels like the right time for you. And of course there are details of where you can find Robin and his fearless business coaching program in the show notes as well. I will be back next week and next week's going to be all about sales and how we can do selling with integrity and some very interesting facts and figures around sales and money mindset. So I'm speaking with the lovely Roshana Husenova, who is a lecturer in sales and motivation. So she, again, certainly knows her stuff and she's got all the facts and figures at her fingertips to be able to tell you exactly what you need to do during the sales process to make sure that you're actually getting um, the clients that you deserve and how to do that with, as I say, integrity and without feeling icky and cringy and awful about it. So look forward to that one. We'll be back next week and I shall see you then. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have, it would be incredible if you could pop a review on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to dive deeper, you can find me in my Facebook group, Unblock Your Business, or at www.unblockyourbusiness.com.